hello person who's downloaded this podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Dev and this is the Dev Talks podcast. I'm calling it that. I haven't actually checked up online as of yet if that domain name is free or if anybody else is running with the name Dev Talks. Uh, but that's what I'm just going to call it. Okay, I'm going to call it that now. And then if I have to change that at a later date, I'll edit this bit out. Okay. Um, so you might know a little bit about me if you've downloaded this. I'm assuming you haven't just stumbled across it randomly. You've, you've downloaded it because I've been talking about it quite a lot on Twitter and retweeting it to the point where you're like, all right, go on, I'll, I'll give it a listen. Uh, my name is, is Dev, as the name might suggest. I'm a broadcaster, presenter, DJ, uh, Capricorn uh, <laughs> from London, and I've been doing radio for years, been doing it for ages. I'm 32 years old now, and I've been a professional radio broadcaster since I was 17 years old, just a little, little, little baby, I didn't know anything. And I, I've not learned that much in the last 15 years or so, but what I have learned, I'm hoping to share with you guys on a podcast. Let's uh let's 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 do with the elephant in the room, shall we? I'm a little bit late to the party. I get that. I get that there's a hundred trillion podcasts out there and you could download any single one of them. They're probably gonna have be way more informative and probably better to begin with. I'll get there. But um I'm like that with things. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of a hipster in that way and that. When everybody else is doing something and, oh, this is the cool thing, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, I have to wait five years until after it's been a thing until I jump on it. I only just recently watched Sopranos, for example. There's those of you going, well, that's a classic that's been around for ages. I know, but the reason I waited so long is because people kept saying, oh, you got to watch Sopranos, you got to watch Sopranos. Anyway, here I am. I have arrived. This is my podcast. I'm not going to be doing it on my own because that would be terrifying to just sit in a room on my own for ages for like an hour just talking to myself that would seem weird so to make sure that this podcast doesn't go off the rails too much to offer insight to keep it a little bit more highbrow maybe oftentimes lowering it is my longtime friend an actual former producer from radio mr Phil Stocker. Hello, Phil. Welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. Um, we're recording this in my studio in North London. Uh, it's, it's, actually, it's actually more evening than afternoon. I, I'd sort of built you up saying that you were going to offer some insight into this podcast. You've sort of fallen at the first hurdle, but it's all right. Um, this, so this is, this is good. This we, is good. We finally yeah. got around to doing this. What I like about this is how we were speaking about this probably for the last 18 months on and off. Maybe even longer. Possibly longer. Yeah. Um, but we finally got around to doing it. Firstly, I have a massive blunder saying good afternoon because it's that thing of, well, people could be listening anytime, whenever. Whenever. Just good day to. Oh, no, no, even that. I've, I've, oh. I've, I've limited it to a time. Just hello. Just stay, stay with that. Stick All with right, hello. Hi, we're here. Just stick with, stick with hello. So, yes, we talked about doing a podcast for ages and. You're probably wondering, well, what's the what's the gimmick? What's the catch? Uh, there isn't really one other than I feel like I'm in quite a privileged position. I've been doing professional radio broadcasting for ages. I've met lots of interesting people. Who, who might you say? Well, recently I did the, a, a cooking show that's quite popular well, around the world, if we're being honest. Uh, Celebrity Master Chef. Who did I become pals with? Debbie McGee. That's the sort of calibre, you know what I mean? That's, 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 that's the sort of calibre I'm working with nowadays. That's a very real possibility that we could get we could get Debbie McGee on this podcast. She'd do my podcast. Have you thought about this? Because here's the thing. When we were like chatting about it ages ago, it's like, do we need a hit list? Do we like, who, who's it, who's it going to be? Have you, have you got around to that list yet? Not really. No, I haven't, in a word. But I reckon what we'll do, we'll just do this and we'll stick it out, right? And then that means that we have to then work to get guests, you know? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, once we've stuck it out there... Am I using that right, by the way? Because that's one of those sayings that I've really wanted to use for ages. And I when in Rome. It just, came, <laughs> it just came to me, and I thought, that's all right to use it there, isn't it? If we're saying 
We want to do this podcast and we want to get guests on and we want to, you know, we want to be consistent. If we stick one out, we're sort of committed to it, haven't we? Yeah, no, I think that's fine. And also it is a bit like that thing. Like if you put on like a club night or whatever you do and then it's like, well, if this, I'm saying it. So it's definitely got to be a thing. Right. And I guess the reason I put it off for so long is just fear, I guess, fear of failure. Right. Fear, fear of, of no, failure. not even that fear of nobody caring if any anybody who does anything in the public forum. OK, that I think if we're all honest, that's our deepest, darkest fear is that people won't care. People won't care. I did the same thing while I didn't join Instagram for ages. I wasn't on Instagram for a long time and I waited so long that I thought, well, if I join now and I get like 20 followers, I'm, I'm going to look shit. So let me... So let me just not do it at all. That way it looks like, oh, look, he's so cool. He's he's not he's not even on Instagram. He's, he's not even in the 21st century, man. But um, once you do it, he's like, oh, this is great. Come on in. The water's lovely. Right. This is great. What I liked about you joining the Instagram was that a bit like this podcast, you joined it 18 months late, really. But also when you did it, fair play, you did it in style. And not only did you think, oh, I've got to be on the Instagram. I've got to do that. But actually... I'm going to do a BBC Three TV documentary about Instagram, and they like help. Did they like help you get quite a lot of followers? Uh, all right, so you'll you'll be able to guide me through this without getting anybody in trouble, right? All right. So there were some interns that were working at Radio One, and they came up with a, with the idea of they pitched the idea of uh, uh, make me Insta famous, which was the documentary I ended up doing. The idea that you would take somebody who doesn't have any followers and see how many followers you could get in a month. Like okay? it, good. Right? So, it's a great idea. And it came to me because I had about 20 followers at the time. I'd only set up an Instagram account in 2016 because, I, I, was, I forget, I was at a festival and I wanted, they were willing me to take a picture and the only way they would let me take the pictures if I had an Instagram account. And blah, right, blah, blah, blah. all of that. So, I didn't use it. And then they did the documentary around me getting as many followers as poss- possible in a month. In reality, what you sort of the message you get towards the end is that in order to get a lot of followers on Instagram, just bother a lot of people who are already famous on Instagram and go, "Can you shout me out, please?" Because that's essentially what happens. Is I just I bother people like you know Nick Grimshaw, Connor Maynard. It's got a couple million followers. You know they just done a little shout out, get a couple thousand followers. So I don't know. I feel like the narrative of the of the documentary was maybe blurred a little bit towards the end because if you're just if you're your average person who's not got direct access for a limited time uh to connor maynard right how'd you get how'd you get loads of followers on instagram hi is that connor <laughs> i need some more followers can you come out to play and right. help me get more fo- no right no, precisely okay. um so you should probably crack on with getting into the first episode which is an interview I recorded. Well, it's less of an interview, more of just a a, a, a chat with a longtime hero of mine. I'm sure a hero of a lot of yous. Legend gets bounded around quite a lot. I think it's quite fitting in this case. I had a chat many months ago. <laughs> this is how long it's taken me to actually put this out with Trevor Nelson. Is it Sir Trevor Nelson? Is it Trevor Nelson MBE? Oh, I lose track what he's got. I'm He's got something, isn't some he? Some sort of some sort of honor. Who, in case you don't know, Trevor has been an extremely influential DJ over here in the UK. He sort of came to fruition in a time where R and B and hip hop wasn't easily accessible. And look, we'll go we go into all of that in in, in the chat. Trev talks about when he used to work in a record shop, and that was the only way that you could get hold of this music. Trev talks about the early days of pirate radio and then getting into professional radio and how crazy all that was. And then, you know, competition with other DJs and rivalries. It's great, man. Like Trevor's, Trevor's just great. And the reason I'm, I'm so pleased to be able to play this to you guys is because, well, I, again, like I talk about being in that unique position and that I'm not like a famous person or anybody that, anybody like that. But I get to hang out with all these cool, interesting people. But what I realise sometimes is, oh, I don't know that much about them. I know I see them, I talk to them every single day, but I don't necessarily know about 
where they're from. It's a weird thing to just sort of bring up in conversation, right? To be like, uh, uh, you're up to date and everything. So where exactly were you born? It's, it's, you, can't, you can't really just throw that out wow. in a conversation. Yeah. You need to have a sit down and a one-on-one. So I'm glad that I could capture this moment with Trev. He came to the studio. I'm just, I'm not, I'm barely even going to edit it. I just want to play it to you guys right from when he came to the studio and he sat down. So it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit meta, okay? This podcast is going to be. It's not, the production values now aren't going to be great, but it's going to get better. So like I said, Trevor's been a hero of mine for ages. And what's amazing about him is he's so normal. Trev's not unapproachable. He's not a horrible person. There's not a single person I think you could find at Radio 1 or One Extra or Radio 2 who's got a bad things to say about him. He's the best. Uncle Trev, man. You can go up and have a chat with Trev. And... What's so weird is this is somebody I used to watch on TV when I was a kid. And now I get to call Trev. He's my mate. But I'm still totally starstruck by him. You know, so when Trev walks into a room, I just stop. and I, I, I listen. I can't believe he knows who I am. I can't believe he agreed to come and hang out with me. And come here to the studio and just, just come and chat. So I'm glad that I can play you guys this interview. I've been wanging on for ages. Let's get into it, man. Episode number one of the Dev Talks podcast. With Trevor Nelson. The Dead Talk Podcast. Yeah, we're talking shit every year. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is you're just going to literally, a whole hour. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? You're about a size, because I used to work in a shoe shop. You're definitely a size 42, moving on to 43, what's, possibly. What's that in? Uh, That's an 8 to a 9. You're 100% an 8 to a 9. A little bit, I'm a little bit bigger than that. Are you? Maybe yeah. it's because you're wearing slippers. Maybe. You're thrown off a little bit. I'm you're actually, a 9 to a 10. I'm a UK 10. Get out of yeah, here! I'm a UK I've 10. I've lost my touch. Yeah. Are you joking? <laughs> Did you used to be able to do that? Just I, do, I could do, Women, particularly. Yeah. Because I worked in a shoe shop, and I would... It always impressed me when I go, you're a 37. Like, oh, my oh, God. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, no, but I, the reason I say that is I, I'm, I'm a much smaller footed garden yeah. there. I know I know what people are gonna say. Alright. I'm a I'm a seven and a half to an eight. Right. That is, that is which is really small. awkward. But it means that more shoes are available in your size. Yeah, but it? nothing fits perfectly normally. Right. Okay. You know you know what I mean? So that whole if you don't get footwear that that's your perfect size, you end up with all sorts of bad feet. <laughs> so about five minutes before you got here, yeah. I got really nervous. Why? So I was like, oh, am I going to talk to Trevor about? about? Yeah. We can talk about. We've always talked about anything. Well, well, this what do you it. want to talk I, about? Well, I didn't want to write down questions, right? Because this is a weird one for me because I know mm, you, mm, right? Mm. So anything that anybody wanted to know about you, so mm. I'm going to have to... Do you mind putting it on yeah, airport? Yeah, yeah, I'll turn it because, off. Um, Should I turn it right on. off? Sorry, it's, man. It keeps That's very yeah. amateuristic. I thought we were being amateuristic right. anyway, so... Well, well, we are, but... Studio etiquette's out the window. Airplane mode. There you go. So I just thought, anything that anybody really wanted to know about you, you just... Google why don't you name? go? Why don't, yeah, yeah, I know, but some of it's lies. What, what, what part are you wiki? I don't have a, I don't have a tiger. What? So it says that you own a tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And other things. There's loads of stuff on there that's rubbish. Anyone can do it. So let's not talk about that. Let's. Yeah. Why don't we just talk to each other? Right. Well, because you're faffing right now. You're not going in. No, 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 no. I have stuff in my mind that oh. I want to talk about. Well, go on. Let's go for it. Stuff that I was thinking about. I might say pass if it's too personal. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm happy to say. Well. It's, just, it's a weird one for me because you were such a like big part of my growing up and figuring out what it was I wanted to do with my life. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I had this thing really early on, about 12 or 13. Mm. I was like, okay, I love music. Yeah. Really, really enjoy music. Yeah. I want to be able to play. I want to be able to DJ and stuff. But I don't know how you do that. I don't know yeah, how you yeah. turn a passion into, into a career. Wow, yeah, true. So round about that time, that's when... I think it was like, was it 98, 99, when uh, the, the lick on MTV yeah, yeah, would have been... started. For people who don't know, this was this yeah. R&B and hip-hop show that they used to have on MTV. And this is another really difficult thing to explain to... If you're 20 years old right mm, now, trying to explain that 10, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, if you wanted to hear R&B, hip-hop, you know, un- any sort of yeah. underground black music, there was only... Very few outlets. You couldn't just, isn't it? You can just type into the internet. You know? Isn't it mad though? You're only talking 15 years ago to 20 years. It's crazy. And I, can I pick it up from there? Yeah, yeah of course. Right. Oh. Simply, right. So I was like you, but go for another 15 years back. I was just like you. So I'm like sitting there going, man, I've got to listen to one radio show a week legally to hear the music I like. One? Mm. 
and everything was on pirate. And then I joined, you know, I was working in record shops and I joined a record label. And um, I just, you know what? Everybody's got their own record label now. Everybody, you know, everybody's got all this stuff. It's all natural. But I, I left the label to basically do what I always complained about. I said, there's no TV shows for, for our stuff. There wasn't. There was Top of the Pops, for those of you old enough to remember. And once a week, there might be an act you might like so, on there. Sort of novelty. And kind yeah, of yeah, there might be a hip-hop or, yeah. or an R&B song or a song you like. And you're praying it's on Top of the Pops that week. You're praying. Because you don't know. Yeah. Because they can only put about seven acts on maybe a week, you know. And then there was MTV supposed to be, supposed to be the the place for young people, the MTV generation. Where did we fit in? Yeah. Bottom line is, if you like hip hop or R&B, there was very little on MTV. They had Yo! MTV raps from America. And I once saw this girl on MTV, honestly. She interviewed, for me, the most seismic group in the 90s, the Fugees. Wow. And the reason I say that, singing, rapping, appearance, everything about them. Playing, naturally playing. Yeah. You know, Wycliffe pulled a guitar out, man, for a hip-hop band. That's what you were talking about. That's awesome. That's before he went through the weird Bob Marley yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they all wanted to be Bob Marley in that group, didn't so they? so weird. It was it? really bizarre. But, um, you know, and they were interviewing the group, and I remember a girl on MTV, she was your typical model presenter on MTV. MTV seems to have lots of them. Just about speak English, but that's not her fault because she's not English. That's fine, right? I didn't mind that. And she's interviewing um, Praz. Praz, and remember this so clearly, Dev. Praz, you found the group, yeah? Yeah, well, you know, Clef's my cousin and, and Lauren went to college with me and rah, 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 rah. Okay, Praz, so you're the founder of the group. Wyclef, you're the genius of the group. I said, Wyclef, she started talking to Wyclef. And I thought, oh, he said Wyclef's the genius of the group. Wyclef is a G. But there's another woman standing there right. who is so important, yeah. you have no idea. Yeah. You know what she said to Lauren? Turned to Lauren and said, Lauren, I like your shoes. Oh, goodness. I'll never forget it Ooh. because it was at that point I said, I need to do something. Mm. Right? You know, if I get a chance, I will not be like that. And funny enough, I got a chance. So I left the record industry and I decided to concentrate on being a flagship show there. And then I had the show on Radio 1 and... All of a sudden, I sort of gave myself what I always thought we needed to have, you know, a TV show, a radio show, just dedicated to playing that music. But then I thought to myself, it's too much pressure, man. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody's looking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had to so you had to be quite neutral. I didn't give it isms and schisms. I was really just pretty neutral, which worked. But a lot of people probably thought I was a bit programmed in that way, you know what I mean? Would the real Trevor Nelson come out and, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you can't, you couldn't because no. hip hop was eating itself anyway. There's always a beef going on. So I didn't have an artist on the show that I wanted to diss. What's the point? There's a, the whole world's laughing at us. So I supported all the artists, be it Craig David, be it, you know, Kano, Chip, whoever it was, Tinchy towards the end, you know, all these sort of guys. Because at the beginning, it was totally American, literally, literally, mm. literally 90% American. That was our love. So the fact you were watching is brilliant, but yeah. to most people listening, they wouldn't understand that it was that small, that small amount of opportunities we had on telly and radio. But, to, but also to make it happen, mate. But also, I think it's so easy to take for granted how big genres like R and B and hip hop are now. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Take any any chart in any mm. country right mm. now. I reckon seventy percent of it is going to be. R&B and hip-hop based. The influence is definitely still there. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I really, really want to try and get across is 10 or 15 years ago, if you wanted a record, there was a limited time to go out and get it. And once it was gone, it's gone. You can't... I always use this analogy with people. When I talk about like DJ and now, for example, mm. if I had a gig next week and they wanted me to play an hour and a half of... Russian tear out Moonbaton dubstep. I go online right now. Know that, know that genre in, really well. <laughs> I go online right now. Yeah. And in about half an hour's time, I'd had everything I needed yeah. without yeah. even leaving my yeah. house. Yeah. But there was this time, this really beautiful time actually, where you'd have to go and hunt down these records. Beautiful only, and broke. <laughs> there was only a few outlets you could go yeah. to and buy these records. And if you missed your window, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If, if you gone. missed the import, or whatever, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was yeah, gone. Yeah, because I used to do imports. Right. I used to sell records to these shops. People would queue up at the independent record shops all day. In fact, 
the independent record store was like a calf all day. You must have gone into a few, right? Yeah. And just hung out all day hearing DJs getting bitch slapped and, and he was shit last <laughs> night. Did you go thinking, nah, that's a shit club. And, you, you know, that's a shit tune. That's rubbish producer. You know, every, it was it was unbelievable. It was like a forum. And I, I managed a shop like that for a couple of years. So I know what it's like. And you're putting the world to rights because you're basically a hater in a way. You, you, I don't like using that term, but you are. You're basically, you're looking in the mirror going, it's not happening for me yet. So I'm going to put down every... But people now do that and they troll people. Right. But at least it, a man will troll you to your face. That's what I liked about it. So it was it was stand up and be counted. It was like walking into a saloon, walking into a like in a western. When you walked into an independent store, you're not used to going so into. So intimidating, isn't it? So intimidating. Yeah. It's like a hush when you walked in, is yeah. he? You walk up to the counter and you dare say the wrong thing. <laughs> so have you seen that film High Fidelity? Yeah, you of course. Dare yeah. say the wrong thing. <laughs> it's like when I worked behind the counter, if someone came up and said, "Yeah, have you got um, have you got PM Dawn?" Set adrift on memory bliss. And in my head, I'll be going, of course I have. I've got it on a 12-inch chair. I've got, and my attitude would be, I've got it on a 12-inch, but I'm going to school you. <laughs> how much, uh, my aim would be, how much money have you got I in knew your it. pocket? I knew this was How much on. money have you got in your pocket? If they said, like, you, you find a way of finding out how much money, so they had, say, 20 quid, all of that's going. And I'm going to give him his PM Dawn for £3.29, <laughs> but I'm going to sell him stuff that's going to change his life. Right. If he likes PM Dawn, it's my job to say, well, you need to hear Brand Nubian. Interesting. Or you need to hear Tribe Called Quest, or you need to hear Jungle Brothers, or Black Sheep, or one of these sort of... Put that with PM Dawn, take that, and when you come back, I guarantee that dude is coming back for proper stuff. I I knew stuff like that was going on. A large part of my early teenage years was spent going to record shops and... Uh, trying to buy the tunes that my friends couldn't get hold of. and Your, your set was everything. The yeah, idea that yeah, you would absolutely. get these tunes that other people didn't have. Yeah. But it was also this weird culture of, if you're an unknown DJ and you're, you're walking into a record you're shop, finished. you're not going to get you're the fin- choice cut. Nah. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no I can no. tell you exactly what went on in our I, record I shop. I knew right? that was let me going tell you the, Let me tell I you the tricks. So, on a Friday, me and a guy called Abby in Red Records in Beach Street. Red Records, Beach Street. Early, early 90s. We're in there. And Friday was payday. In them days, people had a brown envelope with their cash in it. That's how you got paid and your pay slip. So on average, you might get a guy, if he's doing well, he might have he might have £150 in there. Mm-hmm. Fool him for walking in the shop with that. <laughs> right? Or me and Abby used to have this thing where we'd have a competition and we'd see who we can get the biggest pile. You know, because they'd be they'd be like waiting there, like chicks waiting to be fed. You know, what's new in? Wow. When when people have got a bug for music, they, it's a disease, yeah. right? Especially in those days, they they wouldn't dress well, but they'd spend a hundred and fifty pounds oh, yeah, a week easily. on records. No, but clothes are out the windows. It's all about music and walking around the streets of the West End with two record bags as long as you can keep walking. So everyone can see you're a music man. In fact, the reason you'd be walking with two bags from my shop is because you ain't got no bus fare left. <laughs> That's why you're walking. So they'll be in there and we'll go through the normal routine. What's new? Okay, we've got the brand new, I don't know. Uh, what what, what would we have in them days? God, early nights. Naughty by Nature, new right. band. We've got a new band, Naughty by Nature, new 12 here. Yeah, what do you reckon? OPP or something like that. Oh man, that's the hot. Yeah, line that up. Don't even have to hear it. I know that one, bruv. Yeah, that's the first one on. Abby will slap one on for another guy. Go, go. Yeah, I want that, I want that, I want that. You know, and it'll be like that. People overhearing your conversation, which was fodder to me, <laughs> right? Because then I'd just go through what the guy needs first. He's up to, say, 45, 50 pounds. I, in my heart and soul, I never gave him a record that wasn't good. Okay. You have right. to realise that. Yeah. So I didn't feel I was conning him. Yeah. I just knew he came in to spend 50 quid, but let me know he had 150 <laughs> quid, which is a real mistake, brother. A real mistake. In the conversation of selling him records, because then don't get me started on the on the cutouts. Remember cutouts? The old classic albums with a little cutout corner. Then there'd be two ninety nine, three ninety nine, oh, four ninety nine. Well, like, that's, 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 where it, that's where it happens. Yeah. That's where the magic starts to kick in, yeah? Because I've got the guy, I've sold him everything new. He spent about 60 quid. He's thinking, I'm comfortable. I'm £10 over my budget here. I'm good. I can take my girl out this weekend. I might be able to buy them jeans I've been looking at. I've got, I've got fare for the tube or the bus to work all week. I'm good. And I can buy some food. Or maybe even give my mum £25. Because you know he's still living at home, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. All right. So, But then I'll get into the cutouts. And I might aim that to a guy at the edge of the counter that I know has only got a fiver. So he only buys cutouts, old school albums for cheap. And I go to one track 
on a cutout. And that guy who likes new music just says, I've got to have that. So it's only two ninety nine, mate. Slap that on him. Whole album, two ninety nine. Enjoy. There's a couple of other tracks on there, but don't check them now. Check them when you get home, yeah? And then I'd know that I've bought 50 of something for the shop. Wow. 50 copies of something. But I'll tell everyone I've only got five. <laughs> and I know there's, <laughs> I, 10 guys standing, there's 10 guys standing on the other side of the counter. They used to nickname me, me Bilko. Yeah, as in Sergeant Bilko. Right, okay. From, yeah, from um, back in the day. Uh, the TV programme. Yeah, TV yeah. programme, yeah. Bilko. So, um... I go, I've got I've got forty five more copies behind the counter in the storeroom, but I've only got five on show. And I touch the track for the ten seconds that's good on that tune, and the whole counter goes nuts. I want one. I want one. I want one. And I pull out the five, and I go gone. And they're not gone. There's forty five left, <laughs> right? But I say gone. I'm going to try and get some back in next week. By which time I've really got demand created. It's all about that. Wow. And then there's a white label phobe thing. You just pull out a white label, nothing written on it. Erections in the shop straight away on the other side of the counter. My God, white label, what's that from? Where's that from? I don't know, bruv. I just, it came in. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what label it's on, but there's a, there's a dub on the beat on track three, side two. Check this out. Check this bass line out, though. Ah! Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you get any more? People were, we were just so stupid in yeah. those days. Whereas now... You're not going to fall for that. No, there's nothing like that anymore. You're online. There? You're listening on SoundCloud or wherever. You go from SoundCloud to iTunes, wherever. You get a chance to listen, review it in the comfort of your own space. So that is a massive thing nowadays. Whereas yesteryear, all my old mates are broke still. Mm-hmm. They spent thousands on, on music. Yeah. Didn't have a car, didn't have clothes. Couldn't keep a girlfriend. Yeah, that was, that was most part, that's the most part of my teenage years was growing up having no money, having spent like most of it on music. But do, do you think it's better then? Like music is so disposable now. So it's well, hot today, it's not going to yeah, be tomorrow. No, I mean, I, I still kept my vinyl, a lot of it. Yeah. And I look at it with pride mm-hmm. because I've made a career out of music. But I tell you what, if I did make a career out of music, I'd have got rid of all of it because it would just upset me looking at it. I did buy it with love. You know, I loved my music. But I look at also how disruptive it could have been. I mean, let me give you a scenario. One of your first girlfriends, think about the first time you really had a girl. Yeah. You loved music at the same time, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. so let me give you a scenario. I'm going to give you £25, Dev. Twenty-five. Here's your £25, right? Your girl's sitting there. You could go out for £25 in them yeah. days. You could go and get a pizza, so maybe still decent. see a film, yeah. still see a film, maybe. maybe, as long as you ain't got no car to No, park. no popcorn or anything. No popcorn or that. Right, mate, I'll give you 30 quid, all right? Give me 30 quid, all right? She's expensive, isn't yeah. she? I'll give you 30 quid, and then and I'll give you the option of taking your girl out and let, or me walking in the room with the brand new imported such and such of two albums that you've heard are coming out that bang right in your face, fresh, fresh. The new, I don't know, new Jay-Z album, the new something else, fresh in your face. Put them there. You take your girl out or you have these two albums. Ah, that's a tough one. Do you know the way I'd have to try and sell it to my girl? It's like, look, if I spend money on this now, right, in a few years' time, when I'm a big DJ, right, I'm going to take you out all the time, girl. Don't you worry. She ain't gonna hang t- <laughs> that, <laughs> she, that, that didn't she work. really isn't. That didn't work. See, I, I'd love to say that, yeah, no, cool. I'd, I'd, take, I'd take my girl out, but I know what I was like at that age. Like, Every single penny I had just went... I already, as soon as she said 25, yeah. in my mind, I figured it out as uh, maybe three bits of vinyl for like seven yeah, quid each. See, maybe see. enough for see. the train home or something see, like that afterwards. I mean? She's yeah. not even factored in. No. And that's horrible. I lost a lot of women to music. Yeah, but if you'd, if you'd, if you'd never done anything, if you ended up just working like a regular nine to five or whatever, mm. sure, it would have been all for nothing. But... Yeah, I ended are, up, yeah. You are yeah, arguably yeah. one of the most influential DJs this country's ever produced. Oh, please. No, no, no. You're never going to say it. You're never going to say it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it because... This, what, this this the other thing I really wanted to get into is you became a DJ at a time when it wasn't necessarily that cool to be a DJ either. Nowadays, mm. it's such a fast track to coolness and popularity and, you know, like, you know, yeah, celebrity DJs or whatever. Can I be honest but, with you? I hate it. Right. You hate what? I hate that. That That's what it's become. I'm going to be honest with you, right? So when I grew up, my old man said to me, well, not my old man. I, it was indoctrinated in me, work ethic. Yeah. Indoctrinated. When I grew up, I grew up at a time that everybody got a trade. Mm-hmm. None of my friends went uni. 
and it was free then mm. to go uni. Can you believe it? Right. But none of us went, right? Everybody just got a trade or something. The idea was you go to work, but in fairness, you could get a flat in those days, which you can't now if you're mm. young. You could just get a flat. Well, it's not easy, mm. but even if you went into easier. rented accommodation, you could share a flat. You could afford it. You're not ripped off like you are today, right? So, but I kind of look at it and I think, if it wasn't for me, I mean, gosh, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the point you were making was that... What, uh... So how, well, how different yeah, being how a different. DJ when yeah, you started. Yeah, yeah, Because you didn't start because That's you wanted my point. to... You didn't think, all right, this is how I'm going to make my money. That's I'm going to make point. a career out of this. I just did it because I love music. Yeah. And I didn't do it as a profession. I thought professional DJing was, was really lame. I thought you can't... Someone says what you do for a living. You can't say, I'm a DJ. Because there was no such job as a DJ. Yeah. I didn't know anyone who did a DJ job. I knew everyone who did a hobby DJ job. That wasn't a job. So everybody I knew worked and DJed in their spare time. Mm-hmm. So I saw DJ in a Stavros. No disrespect to anyone called Stavros, but hairy chest, shirt undone, big medallion, <laughs> big curly perm, <laughs> spinning tunes with gold watch yeah. and gold gold bracelet dangling, right? That's the DJ to me. That's stereotypical DJ that I grew up thinking, that's what a DJ is. What a knob, <laughs> right? So Not so, not exactly. It wasn't life and soul of the party. DJ no. was in the corner. Sometimes you couldn't even see them. Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the new wave of DJ that I was attracted to. The yeah. DJ that's in the corner, doesn't speak. No one notices. No one gives a shit about yeah. him, but just expects him to play. Yeah the best music that's the kind of dj and i was hoping you know that that's my hobby dj so the moment i started earning a bit more money from dj than i did from my day job that's the only time i left and even then when was that like that what, was, when would you say when was the like, point you realized I that was probably when kiss fm became legal because kiss fm got its its license when i was on pirate kiss it got its license um in 1990 it's a big day yeah I mean, mate, that was a, even my dad popped a bottle with me. You know what I mean? And my dad, my dad once shouted at me and said, another one for the reggae university. That was after my dad stormed out of my parents' evening, like stormed out. Didn't even look at my results. They were upside down. My form teacher had them upside down to him. Up until that point, this is probably when I was about 15, 16. Up until that point, yeah, I was, I was 15. I was four A's, seven B's, three C student. That was me. This time, I got into music properly. My dad could see D, E, F, upside down. And the form teacher was trying to be nice. Yeah, Trevor's a really nice boy. He kind of kicked the table. All the parents were there, queuing up to see each form teacher. Didn't go and see one other teacher. You know, you're supposed to go around your your, your, your French, your geography teacher. Pushed the table back. All my friends looked at me in in horror and just said, Trevor's going to get beat. (laughs) Right, my dad stormed out, literally stormed out of the school. By the time I got to the car, the passenger door was open and the engine was running. Right, I jump in the car, not a word is said. Close the door. I am shitting it. It's making my stomach. I'm shitting it. I lived two and a half miles from my school. Right. Meantime, my sister's thinking they've gone for the evening. She goes into my dad's stereo, pumping out her 12-inch singles, right, that she just bought, thinking she's got a good hour before, hour and a half before we get back. Uh, car pulls up, he storms in, opens the door. There she is, in, in his stereo. You don't touch my dad's stereo, you know. <laughs> in his stereo, he screams, here's another one for the reggae university. And that's the first time I've ever seen my dad go for a walk. Just He just, he just what went... That, what does that mean? He just went for a walk. It's another one for the reggae, reggae university. university. That's the only university he thought his kids would ever go to. <laughs> right? My dad was a man to be feared, my yeah. friend. Feared. And so I felt so bad. That's why I remember it so clearly. I felt so bad because I thought, the only reason I got those bad grades is because I didn't bother to revise for my mocks. I revised for my, my main ones. And I passed eight in the end. You know, I passed eight in the end. But we broke down. Music killed us, me and my dad. See, my dad had a lot of Nat King Cole albums. He had a lot of albums and he didn't know that I was inspired and he had a lot of sevens. I was inspired to buy music because of him. Yeah, same, same as me for my mum. My yeah, mum had a amazing record that. collection. My mum yeah. had this incredible uh, Motown and Soul collection and I used to try and play her records all the time and just completely destroy them. 
she sat me down when I was like 12 and said, look, why don't you buy your own music? Wow. And it just started a lifelong obsession. So when was this point then you started making enough money that you didn't mm. need a day job? Well, I did, a need, where... I did need a day job. Right. I did, but I got offered to become a professional DJ by Kiss FM. Because when we were pirates, we were really cool. We thought we were cool. We were all like Benji Bees, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like understated and, and playing tunes, you know what I mean? But um, I listen back to my early shows and they're awful. <laughs> no, honestly, Dave, they all awful. Are. Yeah. No, no, Everyone's no, there. I don't want Everyone's anyone there. hearing them. The what, was music, what was bad about The it? music's great. Yeah. I just sounded like I was about to walk the plank or <laughs> get hung or something. I sounded like life was about to end. I sounded miserable. Wow. Because that's that was the whole nature. We we dressed in black. Uh-huh. We all wore Dr. Martin shoes or black 501s, flight jackets, black berries. Everything was black, black Polonex. Girls dressed like boys. You know, we, we just hung out in Camden Town all day. This is when Camden was like Shoreditch. Camden was like church to me. It yeah. was like Shoreditch to a lot of people now or Hoxton was very, 10 very years cool ago. London, it was very right? cool then. Yeah. It's so not now. But, um, you know, it was like... So we all hung out, and when we did a link, it was like, if I was going to play it, I'd go, yeah, that was Don Amromeo, and that was from an album called Estu Gala Gala, what's something, or the other like that. You're listening to Trevor Nelson on The Sound of Kiss, 95.8. And in, in your mind, that was you being That was cool. cool. Yeah. That, in my mind now, that's <laughs> shit, right? I didn't say that I was enjoying myself. Yeah. It was just too underground, I mean, but... People liked it at the time. That was that was the thing. So I got I got asked to do a daytime show, which made me a professional DJ. That's insane. Paying paye for the first time, you know, like given a, a fee to play music on daytime radio, and I was like, wow, okay. That's when I became a full time for the first time. Became a DJ for a couple of years, but they sacked me. Before. <laughs> Because I got depressed on air, man. Really? I just got, yeah, I just had Did a, you have like an outburst on air? No, I just was in a really weird relationship and right. it just ruined me. Yeah. And on air, I just didn't enjoy myself after. First year I did and then into the second I didn't. And then I remember, um, I didn't really care. I just, I thought I was going to retire there and then. I actually retired mentally when that happened. At what age? 29. You, you mentally retired at 29? Yeah, gone. Wow. Retired. I was done. I, I didn't think any DJ was a DJ past 30. Yeah. No one. I didn't think that it existed. I didn't think it made sense. So um, I was skint as well. I got skint. I got pretty skint. So um, then I started staring at my vinyl thinking, this is killing me, this music thing. What have I done? I was every, All around me, everywhere I looked, there was my vinyl. And I thought, I've got no money. You know, relationships in a mess. Although we stayed together for a long time after, but it was a mess. I didn't care. I, I was just lost, mate. Mm. Literally lost. It's really weird. And then, um, but, but you know, my clubbing, I started clubbing again, started putting on gigs again. And, you know, we had a little split up and it just drove me. And, you know, my dad's sort of work ethic and my mum's work ethic is what kept me going because mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of working. You know what I mean? You can't, you, you, the thing about music, people think, oh, music's, Music's great. It's a lazy man's gig, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's, it's a lazy man's gig. I mean, I've met guys who say, like you, for example, Dev, you, I know you, you play guitar, you love music, yeah. you want to make music, you do all that stuff. If you didn't have your show or your shows, mm-hmm. right, you would forever be that guy going, I'm a musician. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for like so. 25 years. Yeah, sure. Without been, a hit record. I've You'd be going, you'd still be walking around with a guitar going, yo, what'd you do for a living, man? I'm a musician. <laughs> right, yeah. No, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. No disrespect, mm-hmm. but 99% of musicians are more or less out of work. Yeah. So you've got to have a job and do it as a hobby until it does that thing for you. It mm-hmm. reaps that thing. And it could happen at any time. So, you know, I, it, it's just a funny place. I mean, I look at life now and I think, my gosh, you guys got it so good. Really? You get your brand. You, everyone's a brand. Everyone's got brand awareness. Do you think, you think it's easier now? To, to do what it is we do, like whether it's like broadcasting or like breaking new music. You reckon it's easier no, to do it no, now? No, I think some things are easier then, but lots of things are easier now. Mm-hmm. I think breaking a record was much more fun then. Much more fun. It's are much you, more important. Are you crazy how much fun it was then? Yeah. You talk, you're talking about... Look at the difference between now and, 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 and yesteryear. The reason I don't really care about being the first to play anything now is because... So what? Whereas back then, 15 years ago, 
you get the call from a record label. Got the new, got new Usher. You're like, yeah, yeah. Got the video for you for your show. Nice. Wow. Got the twelve for you for your radio show. I'll be like, I, I don't care if I'm the first to play it. Lying. Um, <laughs> but you know, if I am, if I am, you know, fine by me. And you know, you know, when you put that on that the needle on that record, you know, your audience, at least fifty percent of your audience, are going, wow. And they're taping it illegally, or they 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 can't wait for it to come out. They'll go into the record shop the next day and bug the person behind. When's it out? When's yeah. it out? And you know the buzz that's created immediately, and then other DJs are playing it straight away because they're listening to your show, and and the buzz gets immediate, and you know where it starts, right? It's great, it's great. And then four weeks later, that record's available. Four weeks. Wow. Now it's unheard of. Now, yeah. Right? Now it's better for the for the for the punter. It's better for the customer. The person wants to buy the record because as soon as they hear it, they know they can find that. Mm-hmm. They know somewhere to go online. If they don't make that record available, it's going to get downloaded for free somewhere. Yeah. So you best make it available. So it's immediate, which makes us a little bit more redundant mm-hmm. and less, we, you know, on the one hand is good. The other side of things to me, uh, yeah, the DJ is not as important as the DJ was in terms of breaking music, the specialist DJ, I mean. But the more clinical side is everybody is, as soon as they get their break, they're ready. Yeah. I know my, my name. I know how my brand's going to go. Yeah. I don't I don't even like someone describing me as a brand mm. or you as a brand. I don't know how you feel it's about weird. it. It's weird. No, I think I'm just outside of that generation. No, nah, everybody. It, yeah, yeah, but everybody would describe you as a brand yeah. or your brand. Dev's brand. Dev's, brand, Dev's quirky, but he's got musical musical foundation and he's this and that and someone will sit there and describe you to yeah, yourself it's really weird and it is really weird right so you know and then and, and and now everyone wants to get stuff for free that's the key thing it's not even music for free they want it's other stuff mm-hmm. and i and i by the way not... if, if anyone doesn't want to send me some free shit <laughs> off the back of this like i'm, I'm free easy shit man. Is good. i'll take some free stuff free shit's yeah. good but i do i do I, I don't chase it and i know you're not the kind of guy to chase no. stuff right i know a lot of people do chase it I don't but, rinse it as I don't rinse it near enough as no, much as I no, think I, I could. I never have. I never have. Honestly, there are people at MTV who you. I used to walk into MTV and there were people there with sunglasses on, the latest trainers, the latest this, the latest that, the latest everything, and they weren't even on camera. <laughs> and I bought every. I bought everything I'm wearing, yeah. and they weren't even on camera. It's just because they worked for MTV. They blagged the shit out of a cow's ass. Well, like- <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just because they know a guy yeah. who yeah, works yeah, no, at because MTV. because they yeah. work at MTV, and that's and I think today, you know, I don't mind. I think there, are, I, th- I think you sound like a bore of your purest DJ. You know, you do sound a bit boring, mm-hmm. and you need to get on with it, mate. Get with the times. You know, you get what you can, but to me, what gets my goat a little bit, and I don't care who it offends, is the way they've they demean what we do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. DJing, easy. DJing, right, isn't a... To me, it's all about passion. That's where it starts, right? Yeah. When, if you know, we look miserable when we're playing music because we're concentrating up there, right? <laughs> right. It's a problem unless we're drunk, right? Mm-hmm. So I always have a drink when I'm up there to get on the same level as the crowd because it, or else I end up looking like I'm frowning, I'm screw face, but I'm just trying to get my beats yeah. right or the right tune. But I'm serious. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been like a selector. You know, some DJs are mixers, scratchers, whatever. But my core is selection. So I'm going to try and play something, watch the crowd, see where I can take it, whatever, right? That's fine. What I don't like are celebrity DJs that just got it as part of their portfolio Mm -hmm. because they've got a bit of fame. All of a sudden they're DJing. So I go to nightclubs and um, I go to a town I've never been in and manager sits me in the office after nice one mate nice packed out there you know it's packed out good night do you enjoy it do you enjoy it do you enjoy it and you're like oh, i've got to have this chat now and i <laughs> um yeah it was great and i'm thinking in the back of my mind not as good as the lick party in stockholm <laughs> 1999 don't get me wrong i'm not saying that yeah. i'm saying no it's great here you know because it, it is great and i genuinely mean it because seeing regular people sorry <coughs> Do you want some water, by the way? Yeah, I'll have a little bit of your water. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got yeah. your own cup. You got me a, a mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, bought in a mug. <laughs> it's like it's, it's so like it's like flip flops with blick, but, socks but on. The other weird thing about that conversation you have with promoters as well is because because you do that kind of thing so much. Mm. For me, it's kind of difficult to 
say how good one gig was to the one I did before that. It's sort of well, all tends to Do you to lie be... or don't you lie yeah. to promoters? Yeah, I lie. I lie to promoters. Okay, I, I try, I can't lie that easily, right? But so I'll sit there, I'll sit there. And to be honest, I'll only sit in his office if I have genuinely had a good time. Mm. Because they want you to sign some posters or... Oh, put, yeah, I've, I've actually seen you, I've actually seen you on the wall in a place I did. I can't remember where it was. Was it signed? It was signed or something. Was this yeah. in, um, was it in Wales? Haverford. Yeah, Haverford West. Haverford West. Yeah, 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 yeah you see? Yeah, there yeah, you go. They, and I didn't want to mention Haverford West because yeah. now they're going to think I'm talking about them. I was just about to say that if there's any promoters listening to this that you've played for that you just mm. went straight home afterwards, they're going to think, <laughs> he hated us. Not always the case. Not always, not always the case. Not always the case. Yeah. But there are some, there are some club owners that really, the, the fact you're doing a gig for them, they go into the ownership mode yeah. of I own you for the yeah, night. Yeah, so come and do that. this, come yeah. and do that for me. And you want to be a nice guy. You're a nice guy. I can imagine what you're like. You'll take pictures of whoever yeah, you post whatever. pictures. I'm like stuff. that. I'm like that. It can work against you sometimes though, right? But don't but, you hate though that if you said no, you'd be a fucking yeah, but that, cunt, Well, you? that's the thing. People, I, I'm going to get to that. First of all, I'm going to finish this. So I'm sitting in a manager's office and I'll be sitting there and, you know, being plain polite. He's got a friend who might want to interview me. That's fine. Whatever. You know, I look around. I say, yeah, good club. Great club. It's, you know, it's, yeah. And he say, um, and you look around the room and you go, you look at some posters on, you look at a real mixture of people who have performed at that club. <laughs> and you go, you got any other DJs coming down there soon? Yeah, I've got Danny Dyer. <laughs> now, no disrespect, Danny. I do you're love bigger Danny. than me. I love Danny. And everyone loves you. Yeah. And I love you. He's not a DJ. But you're not a DJ, no, are you, Danny? <laughs> so I'm like, did he DJ? And they said, well, sort of. He sort of come on, you know, did sign autographs. So it's not necessarily Danny Dyer's fault that he's called a DJ. Mm. It's the promoters who put him down as a DJ because he's going to make an appearance. And this is what... Then they turn to you and go, because you're a celebrity DJ as well, ain't you? And you're like, no, I'm a no, DJ. I'm an actual DJ. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, but now we are called celebrity DJs and it really gets my goat. Yeah, that is weird. Because I'm not, I didn't used to be in blue and decided to start DJing <laughs> or be in Atomic Kitten and start We'll come forth no, but, in Big Brother. No, but do you understand what I mean? Everybody yeah. does what they do, but they just add, and rest in peace, Amy Winehouse was put down as a DJ at some, really? sometimes. Yeah, everybody who, who stands behind a deck and poses even even for a joke is a DJ yeah. according to the press so DJing now has gone back to what I thought it was when I first started Stavros Gold Medallion Open it's, dim- chest. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's diminishing in, t- in terms of obviously you've got your superstars who are earning a hundred grand a week like Getter and in that respect people look up and go wow I want that job you know or Calvin Harris mm. or someone like that but in general it's diminishing uh, uh, what it really stood for so. well it's quite interesting you, you bring that up because I'm sort of thinking in in that time where there was only not even a handful of DJs that were playing uh, R&B and hip-hop mm. up and down the country on yeah. a sort of national there scale. There weren't many. There no, weren't many at all. I can think of you. I can think of Westwood. Uh, Steve, Steve Sutherland, Sutherland did it for a bit. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I can't Shorty think Blitz of right, Shorty, Shorty Blitz. Shorty Blitz. But I think Shorty Blitz is a little bit later yeah, on. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about that kind of. It was just a few of us. Yeah, like yeah. sort of mid nine, mid to late nineties, yeah. yeah. and so there would have been that point where. You were like the go-to guy yeah, for totally, R&B yeah, and hip-hop. Yeah. And you're yeah. also playing in these places that have no access yep. to R&B or hip-hop. It was a beautiful time. A be- Mate, it was the most beautiful time. Because you would go and the videos were pumping on MTV and everyone knew the dances from the videos. And you go to some sleepy town somewhere in the West Country and everyone comes out and imagines they're in an R&B video yeah. and gets lost in it. It's amazing. Girls sticking out their bumpers, don't even know what they're doing. Guys trying to dance like Diddy. It was great fun. Yeah. It was just fun, you know, and it was... The thing that made it sweet was that where I come from, obviously, I was just a London DJ for many years and I was used to just very predominantly just a black crowd mm-hmm. and a black crowd will give you a look. Yeah. No matter who you are. Not just a black crowd, but a London black crowd. A London crowd black crowd. Well. Let me explain something to you, yeah? So I'm doing gigs. I ran a club called Club Yo-Yo. Not the one in Notting Hill Arts. Before that, okay. they nicked our name. But anyway, oh, really? Yeah, no biggie. Right. I did a club. I did the WAG. I did a night called Respect to the WAG. I did several nights. Um, but Club Yo-Yo ran for seven years. The WAG club ran for a couple of years. Um, Dance Wicked. I did all these nights. And I remember... In my own night that I promoted, that I did every week. This is what I love about my crowd. So I got the Radio 1 show. Became this national DJ. 
big time, you know. This but, is the Saturday night. Yeah, this is this is my first show was Sunday afternoon. Prime time, yeah, Saturday night, Sunday, national Sunday afternoons right. and Saturdays, right, uh-huh. sort of thing. So I'm, you know, mate, it's a big deal. But I still ran this club, little club that was in a restaurant that was had terrible toilets. About 250, 300 people could fit in. What year is this? Yeah, this is mid-90s, okay. mid to late 90s, mid to late 90s. And I still walk through that crowd with my big record boxes, Bumping killing me. People. No one getting out of my way. <laughs> no one impressed by me. No one moving out. No one saying, can I give you a hand? Yeah. It took me like 10 minutes to get to the DJ booth because no one gets out of your way. And then they want to talk to you while you're holding your record boxes. They demand to talk to you because they've been coming to your club. And no one would mention Radio 1. No one would mention anything. And that's how I liked it because that was like sanctuary of reality. And then I go it out. Keep, it definitely keeps you grounded. Yeah, totally. But then yeah. I go out of London and it'll be Screamfest. Posters up. Screamfest. You know, a thousand people in a club. You know, and, it, and, and as long as you've got that balance of people always folding their arms going, prove it. Every yeah. time you step on them decks, prove it entertain me mm-hmm. as opposed to when you go out there put anything on I don't care you're <laughs> God you know it's like it's like that's the balance you have being down here it's just I, um, it's just a it's just a weird thing it, it was something I found really I struggled to cope with quite early on when I started getting national bookings so maybe like must have been about 18 or 19. I'd already been on one extra for over a year. Mm. Before that, I'd been... The show, the kids' show I was doing was on uh, Never BBC forget Two. It. Never forget right. it. That's so, when I first saw you, <laughs> busting a dance move. Yeah. I saw you and Reggie. So it's like jump around like an idiot yeah. on, on BBC Two. So yeah. there's these like two... Hey, uh, I want to stop you a second because you've been lavishing it on me. I remember looking at that show. I never... Because I'm not a kid. I didn't follow it, but I just stumbled on it. And I saw you and Reggie on that show, and I was so incredibly proud. Wow. It was unbelievable. You were doing this, you were busting the... Reggie would go, what's the latest move, Steph? <laughs> and you do the latest dance club move. And it was the latest club move. And I just said, wow, the culture is getting straight onto telly. Yeah. No, but you might have thought it was stupid, but I, I looked at it differently. I thought, this is where it begins. It's beginning so young, whereas I had to start with a national sort of forum mm-hmm. when I was a lot older... Than when you started, yeah. so to me, I was like playing a culture when it was established mm-hmm. in my head. You were just bang responding to what was going on out there, and yes, it was a kiddie show, mm-hmm. but I didn't look at it that way. I just looked at it and I said, "Wow!" I was like, "Wow, you two, man, killing it!" It still does. It does freak me out a little bit when um. You know, I get people who come up to me and say they used to watch it when they were kids. Yeah. I get adults who say they used to watch it when they came in from a night out or whatever. But I, I sort of feel like we were picking up, you know, from what you started. Because what I always loved about something like The Lick, to me, as a, you know, 14, 15-year-old mm. watching a show like that, I didn't think, oh, wow, here's this uh, show featuring black music that's for me. Yeah. I was just like, oh, finally a show with music on that I like. That's all it was I I never thought, okay, this is going to be really important for black music. I never thought any of that. I just thought this is a show with music that I like that just so happened to be on this huge national medium. Yeah, and and you know what? The balance was for me, you were already a fan of that music. I didn't want to patronise you. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to appeal to you as well as someone who's at entry level. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As well as some veteran who's been there, done it, seen it. And I just, so I just underplayed it a little bit. I hope, I think I got the balance right. When you look at it down the line now, I think I, I was quite conscientious. I was very, so to me, it was quite seismic because I knew people like you would be, I just knew you'd find it because mm-hmm. that's what we're like. There was so little of it on telly mm. that we'd just find anything. If there's a documentary on, you'd know the next day, you, you know, you missed Dev. Mm-hmm. You missed that or someone would have called you. Yeah. On, at home are you watching this you know it was all like that it was a movement wasn't it so you know you, you talked um, a little bit about London crowds keeping you grounded yeah that's something I struggled with once I started getting national gigs and so like I mentioned before mm. about 18 or 19 I was doing this kids TV show I was doing a, a, a radio on One Extra with Reg and mm. started getting all these bookings up and down the country and we've just spoken about the difference between even just playing in a city mm. compared to a small town the way that you're received in these mm. small towns mm. it's like it's like you're famous mm. it's like they look at you like it's Jay-Z who's mm. just rocked up or something like that it's for the night like that is something I really yeah, struggled yeah, yeah. with no, in the I, beginning and you, you, I, I, took, <laughs> I took the fucking piss like, yeah what did you do early on well just like Something I'd never experienced before, yeah. for example, was finishing a gig and having like a 
string of, of girls yeah. just <laughs> stood by the DJ box going, oh where are you going afterwards? Yeah, what hotel room are you staying in? And now, you know, I try, used to try and explain this to my friends and they'd be oh like, oh, oh, if that was me, I just, it's like, nah, bullshit. After a while. Okay? Bullshit. Yeah. In order to be any kind of a half decent DJ, yeah. you have to spend a lot of time on your own, yeah. in your bedroom, yeah. playing songs to an audience of none. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're put in front of, front of a crowd <laughs> And you're putting these. I, I think. What did you do? I just. <laughs> Stupid question. I just think I. I think I. I, I, I you definitely need to get out of your system. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I wish someone had just pulled me to one side and just gone, rein it in a little. You're bit. not a truck driver, mate. You, do you don't want I mean? one in every city. <laughs> the bottom line is. The bottom line is right. Hands up. Thankfully. I had a missus to go home to, even though it wasn't great, right? It wasn't great. We didn't get on very well, right? I had my times. It's well known, yeah. right? But the truth of the matter is, it's that what I tend to do, this is my mistake. So you go out there, you think to yourself, you accept the fact that there's groupies when you're going to DJ. Look, mate, you could look like that sock you're wearing and you still have a group. It is an ugly sock as well. Because, because you've entertained some people that night, you're the star attraction for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know, right? Normally the nicest women are the ones that never talk to you. Never, never want to be seen standing over there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just, you'll never, so you'll never meet them unless you make a beeline to them and you're not going to be able to make a beeline to them because you're going to look like some, some hungry wolf. Oh, I never want to see like you never look. I know you're obsessed with be, looking cool, right? Dev? We yeah. all know that in an un- understated Occupy way. Occupy is a large part. Yeah, of my a thinking massive. Ma- yeah. Ma- and I and I'm and I'm guilty too. And we, if we're gonna, if this podcast is gonna mean anything, I think we have to touch a nerve and tell people something they don't know about us. Eventually, right? Yeah. Like when we get past this stage yeah, of yeah, chatting of course. about groupies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is, the bottom line is, groupies in general. A lot of them nowadays would look back and be. Oh my god! That I did. I really do that. Yeah. So I don't. I don't in any way, um, like have a go at women when they were younger who were a bit like that because it's just excitement, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's excitement. What would you do if if Mariah or Nicole Scherzinger were in their heyday? You know what I mean? Or, or someone like that was in town and you had a chance. What would you do, Dev? Yeah, you queue up, wouldn't it's you? True, I'm not saying we're Mariah or I, Scherzinger, I'd but be in that line. you know what yeah. I mean. You'd be yeah. in the line, so yeah. you know. Let's not be hypocrites. But I, I used to roll with my boys be at, and I used to roll with some boys because I always wanted a mate with me for a couple of reasons that's the London mentality when you go outside the London you need, yeah you need to be with someone yeah. you don't know what you're going to yeah. get into right so you need to be someone it's not so much about fighting or anything but you just need to be someone you just trust safety and numbers, safety and numbers. Yeah. but what that turned into was vultures in numbers <laughs> if you play R&B Invariably, I noticed that sixty percent of the club was always women. Maybe even more, I'd say. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's like an R and B. I don't, don't want to hype it up that yeah. much, but there have been occasions, <laughs> right? And so I'm on my best behaviour. I'm playing tunes. I'm making people cry with joy and ah, oh, my tune and girls smiling and all this stuff. And, and all that happens is uh, your mates disappear halfway through your set and leave you alone. <laughs> they've had, they, what they do. They 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 make sure the whole club knows that you're that that, that that's one of your best mates. So they would have carried the box. They're or in the booth. Or, yeah, they they're in the booth. The yeah, sharing a drink with you. Yeah, yeah. Sharing a drink yeah, with yeah. you or something. They I I clock the moves Straight right. So they, this is the move that yeah I know Trev you know yeah without <laughs> opening their mouth I know Trev and they look always look cooler than you yeah because they don't have to they, they still they don't have to say nothing just look just stand around it. and then all of a sudden you're putting a tune on. You get your head up and you want to say, yeah, do you hear that tune? Do you hear that drop? They're not there. <laughs> and you don't see them till five minutes before the lights come on. By which time they've got their arm around two girls, one that they've definitely got a beeline for, yeah. and her mate. And what that turns into is that you become a wingman You become them. their wingman. Yeah, their wingman. Insane. Yeah. So they end up with the girl who came looking for you initially... And you are expected to entertain her mate who has got issues of all kinds, <laughs> like all kinds of issues. Yeah. You know, and, and it just, I, I, I roll on my own now most of the time. Yeah, me I too. go out on my own me now because I mean, I, you can only be in control of what you do. So you go out on your own and 90% of the time I come home. Yeah. If it's, if it's, if it's, if the gig is 
past Birmingham, I'll probably stay over. Yeah. If it's before Bir- Birmingham or before, I drive home. If I if I can come home the same day, I almost every single yeah. time will. I have no interest whatsoever in hanging around after a gig to talk to some girl who might have just seen me. But I used to have this thing when I was about sort of 17 or 18 and mm. I used to go out and I'd see the DJs who are, you know, the people that I used to look up to finish their set and then come out and try and chat up yeah, like a 20 year old. I used to just think, I never want to be that. It's I horrible. never want to be that guy. It's horrible. I've never been that guy. So the bottom line is, you know, get home. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Get home. If you want to stay in this game, get home. And, and in those days, let's be fair. In those days, Facebook, didn't camera, exist. Cam, didn't camera exist. phones. Did not exist. None of that no. existed. Now, every, you, you even whispered somebody and you're dating her or, <sighs> you know, your Facebook profile, the Facebook profile changes. It's, hey, listen, it's almost just as bad with the guys. Yeah. Guys are just as bad at hogging you at a gig. I used to get... Spit, oh, this is quite a lot of... Um... Over familiarity. Yeah, I, I yeah. Was once say, you, once maybe, you're nice to a guy, m- maybe he's your you, best mate. Maybe you more so than me, only because mm. I feel like people feel like... They know me. Yeah, they, they know oh. you, they've grown up with I you. I get it all the time. Come put their arm around Trev, you. Trev, and I'm little, I'm little, so yeah. they just they get me in a headlock. <laughs> Trev, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you drinking? I love guys who swig champagne from, from the bottom and then hand it to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> have some yeah, of that or I'm in the toilet having a slash and they turn and they want to shake my hand or get a picture in the toilet. I'm not begrudging fame. Don't get me wrong. But no one, no one, no one on this planet wants to admit that they hate selfies. Yeah. No celeb wants yeah. to admit that because they think fans are going to turn on me, all this stuff. You're not allowed to say no. You're not allowed to say no. So once you're in a position, so my thing is, once I'm hired to do a gig, my game face is on. Once I walk through the doors of that club, I'm on the clock. If someone wants a picture and it's accessible and de- easy to do, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But if it means I'm walking to that through the middle of the club and someone stops me for a picture, never got the thing ready, and then there's a queue forming. Are we taking pictures? Look, Harry, get your camera. He's taking pictures. It's just, it's just, it's just. Whether we like it or not, we can't fight it. It is. It is a really difficult one for me to deal with, right? Because mm. the way I see it is people wanting to take pictures of you and, like, you know, now it's like Snapchats and stuff. Yeah, I, I see that as it's just a byproduct of what we do. It's not the reason I got into it. It's not the reason I do yeah, it. But, but it definitely is a... a I always think it's... um. It's a really strange thing as a DJ. And I, I, one of the misconceptions and something I think people don't think about is how lonely it is. Oh, being a DJ is one wow. of the loneliest wow. professions. Don't get really us. Do. People are not going to get the violin out for us. No, no, no. Of course I not. I don't hang around wow. DJs. <laughs> I don't hang around DJs, yeah. right? Number one. I have a very small group of friends. Number two. People all have a misperception uh, of us. All of uh, Me and you particularly, I would imagine. What, what, they, what, what I think they? a lot what of people... I did an interview for the Radio Times, right? Um, only Kai. this week. It okay. just came out. They yeah. just came out this week. The guy just emailed me and I saw it and it's funny. Um, it's funny because it says... It mentions golf, gin and tonic and living in the suburbs. Right. And a guy completely thought he was going to get a different interview of me. He thought I was going to be all VIP'd up. You know, every superstar R&B or hip-hop, hip-hop um, performer in my phone... I don't keep anyone's numbers in my phone. I don't. I mix with plumbers and I play golf with taxi drivers, plumbers, and regular people. Yeah. My best friends are completely regular people. I have no superstarry mates. Yeah, I have one or two that I know, but I don't hang. You know what I mean? Because it's just that's not me, mm-hmm. right? That's not me. And so he couldn't believe it. He, he just he made a big deal out of it and with the whole piece. He just made it like he's not the guy I thought he would be. Sort of thing. I'm like, well. I lived in Shoreditch and I moved out because it's too noisy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel pissing on my doorstep every two minutes. I don't want that. If I, I, 25 years ago, I would have lived in Camden Town in the middle of Electric Ballroom or Dingles because I loved it, but not now. Not now. So, um, no, I think we just, we're, cra- we're craving to be normal, man. But yeah. the problem is we are normal. We are normal. It's just, I've always said this. I mean, I'm sure you've had this situation, Dev. You bump into an old friend. Or someone from school, someone who used to work with years ago. Dev, what's going on, man? And you go, Harry, my God, ages. How's your mum? How's this? How's that? Don't worry about me. It's all about you. I see you everywhere, yeah. bruv. I hear you on the radio. Yeah. You were, you did some gig. I saw a post with your face. Yeah, but, and, you, and you, you're insistent. So what have you been up to, man? No, no. What are you doing, bruv? Yeah. What are you doing? It's, it's and it's weird. all about you. And then they go and bump into another mate. And guess what I saw the other day? They go, who? You'd never guess. Who? Dev. And 
oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. He's doing big time now, you know. Yeah, left I, us. I hate left that. us behind. Oh, there that. is nothing. But you don't change. People change towards you. Yeah, totally. People I change towards you. I hate that. Um, I, I remember going out to like a sort of dinner thing with a bunch of guys from my secondary school. Mm. And it's probably all in my head. But I couldn't help but feel that they assumed I was going to be the bougie one at the yeah, table, that yeah. I somehow looked down on what those yeah. guys do for a living or yeah. that no. they had to, you know, almost show off or prove yeah. to me, yeah, yeah, see, I'm doing really well. It's and, not, it's not but the case. I, I sort of feel like I got into this industry, game, whatever, by accident. Mm. I don't think that what I do is exceptional. No. It's, to me, it's my job yeah. and it's something that I love doing. Like, I can tell it. you you're not exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that you're you're listen, let me tell people, anyone listening, the three people listening to this, yeah, right? Yeah. Let me just say hey guys. Dev has got paid and got away with it. Cause let me tell you something about long Dev. Time, man. Dev is still the same guy I met. <laughs> I want him to I want to believe I'm still the same guy he met. The bottom line is he is still him. No you know, t shirts too long, you know, <laughs> on the cusp of fashion, never quite in it or out of it. <laughs> Hair unkempt, yeah. but kind of controlled. But glorious. But glorious, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know it, you're the same guy. Yeah. And I know you're fighting. I know you are. You're fighting t- to be that, 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 that conventional person. Yeah. Always have, always have done, mm-hmm. right? And, and me, I just won't change regardless of the situation. I want to be the same guy. It's really the hardest thing in the world. Be careful what you wish for because it's the hardest thing in the world and it becomes the loneliest job in the world. No one wants to hear it. No one believes us. But you do end up with just you and your thoughts. Yeah. The Dev Talks Podcast.